I first became aware of, of, of the music of composer and arranger Michael Roth when I watched the video of the Stratford Festival production of Twelfth Night starring Brian Dennehy. And before I talk to you, Michael, about all of this, the thing that amazes me is that not only do you do this amazing work for not only Shakespeare plays, but many different plays, but you we know so many people in common, including my partner, Reed Martin, which just goes to show the truism that there are only five people in show business. Yeah, there are only five people, and I, and I know three of them. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 606, composer Michael Roth. You're listening to the opening theme from Michael Roth's score for Pamplona, a one-man show about Ernest Hemingway written by Jim McGrath, starring Stacey Keach, directed by Robert Falls, and playing at the Goodman Theater in Chicago right now until August 19th. Michael's had a big summer already. He also wrote the music for the Los Angeles production of both parts of Henry IV, directed by Daniel Sullivan and starring Joe Morton, Hamish Linkletter, Harry Gruner, and a young man named Tom Hanks as Falstaff. So when Michael was here in Chicago for tech rehearsals of Pamplona last week, I was hugely excited to meet him and talk to him about his amazing work. I guess the first question is, what does a director tell you when he says, I want you to do the music for this? Dan Sullivan, he came out to LA, but we couldn't meet. But I, but I, I you know, but, but we just exchanged a few emails and he said, well, I'm doing it period, but think period and electric guitar. Oh. And I said, okay, that makes sense to me. And, and there's this little clip of me uh, um, that circulated online. That, but, but it's basically true. And you probably know this stuff because you're a Shakespeare guy. Mm -hmm. Because the, the one extant drawing of a, a contemporary Shakespeare production is Titus Andronicus, right? Okay, right. right? And, and, and you see people dressed in Roman garb and you see beefeaters, contemporary beefeaters, right? Right, right. And, I remember talking about that with Des Mackinoff and Stratford and all whatever. And so what that's saying to us is that is, is that Strat is that Shakespeare was postmodern. Yes. That 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 he would talk about early modern and postmodern right, at the same exactly. time. Yeah. yeah. So, he, so he would talk about you know the time that he was writing about, right. which in this case is what 150 years before yeah. he wrote it, ish, uh -huh. something like that. And then the time he's writing, and then our job is to, is to talk about. The time he's writing about a little bit about the time he's writing in but also about our time right and so um and at, nowadays no director really says to me i want a strictly period score thank to goodness be, to be composed yeah my, my i may have felt differently in my 20s but at this point it feels disingenuous for me to um to write a period score that's strictly period because the composers who wrote that way um, wrote that way naturally. Yeah. And for me, it means putting on a weird hat that's not re not really me anymore. Right. And and so it just seems disingenuous. So, but the idea of saying, well, it's period, but define that however you care to define it. Mm -hmm. And but electric guitar, as he said, it was it was a way of providing. Uh, 
instead of just brass being the thing that would announce soldiers entering, it's also a strange kind of sound that kind of brings soldiers on. And yeah. and so I and I said, okay, distorted electric guitar. That sounds right yeah. to me. Yeah. And but but most of the Shakespeare's like well, the Twelfth Night that you like mm-hmm. so much is. That Des and I wrote, he wrote some of the songs. I wrote some of the songs, mm-hmm. but uh, and I was music director and all that. And um, now that's a very postmodern production. I mean, it, you know, it's because yeah. it, because the costumes are all different periods, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that's comes from the subtitle "What You Will," right? Yeah. Right. So um, <laughs> you know, um, so just just to get to answer the question, so so so. Most of the time, directors expect me to not be disingenuous. Yeah, they know my music to an extent, and they know that I I intend to approach it as a contemporary composer. Right. With you know paying respect to what about that period would interest me, mm-hmm. but also bringing all sorts of things to mm-hmm. bear that are contemporary. Just as you know. Every contemporary artist would, would Shakespeare. Yeah, being true to the piece, but being true to yourself as well. And being well. true to our times. I mean, yeah. you know, Henry IV is not an anachronistic play. No. It's 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 a bunch of people saying, well, we don't want to go to war, do we? No, we don't, but we do. Well, that sounds like us. <laughs> and, really and, and, it, and it ends with an enormous betrayal well that sounds like us yeah, yeah. so um so yeah. well and 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 uh, it's not just it's not just music in air quotes as we understand it as you said it's it's soundscape. it's sound soundscape as well yeah well i mean so my credit is usually um i mean i am a sound designer but the credit i usually take is is um original music or music and and soundscape but but what do i do when nothing else is going on i'm a composer yeah right and and clearly i'm a composer who had acquired sound design skills well and who traffics who traffics in in sort of classic pieces Mm -hmm. with a with a very contemporary modern uh edge Mm -hmm. the 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 songs i guess what i love so much about the 12th night is that 12th night is a play about music obviously and it's got many songs but and and not that this should be the the measure of a successful score or not but the songs i just felt like oh my gosh i could i could buy that album and listen to those songs over and over they were just such wonderful wonderful songs that lived outside of the piece, but also served to bring the piece along yeah. and, and comment on it. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's true. And we got Brian Dennehy to rock and roll. Got, you got Brian Dennehy? Yeah, that, the clip of them doing um, Hold Thy Peace, uh, hold thy peace yeah. is, is amazing. Hold thy peace, and I pray thee, hold thy peace. Hold thy peace, and I pray thee, hold thy peace. Hold thy peace, and I pray thee, hold thy peace. friend Elizabeth and and I just commented that must have been such a blast for him yeah I mean he he, he jumped in with both feet I mean yeah. I mean look he, he's he's a pretty good actor too and um, uh, there's a lot of times when the songs in the in the plays can be perfunctory 
mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. they were kind of songs of the day, and we don't really know what they are. Yeah, you know. Or, so we do them because the script says we have to do yeah. them, and yeah. And 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 you know, I'm I'm wearing a Hamlet T-shirt. Um, <laughs> I am because I did a, a kind of a strange production of Hamlet in Albany, of all places. So uh, this will be slightly going afield because I, you know, because I did Henry Four parts one and two with Stacy mm-hmm. in DC, and uh, Michael Kahn directed, and Stacy was Falstaff. Right. And now one of the things that wasn't in this production but was in the first production was the Welsh song. Oh yeah. Right. And now all you you must know this. So all that it says is she sings a song in Welsh. That's all you got. All you got. So, okay, yeah. what does that mean, <clears throat> yeah. right? And in this case, thanks to Michael, um, I, when I said, so what, what do we do? Um, he said, well, I think, I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but I, I think she doesn't like the idea that her husband's going off to war. And I think she sings of home. And if you can find something that alludes to contemporary, to to war, anti-war sentiments, mm-hmm. that would be okay. And I said, well, could it be um, non-period Welsh poetry that's anti-war? And so we found a poem by Hed Wynne um, that is, uh, who's World War One Welsh. Mm. And it's all, and the lyrics are basically all about the boy's blood's, in, boy's blood is flying in the trees and, Oh. And and she sings that, knowing, uh, n- seeing what's going to happen to all the men who are talking about war. And right. she's but she can't, she doesn't speak English. Yeah. Now the person who did that production was a, a really a, a great young actress and a soprano named Vanessa Sterling. Now Vanessa then played Ophelia for this production. I'm getting to a point. Oh my gosh! So when I heard that. I said, well, so Ophelia has these songs. Yeah. And I, I, I watched as many movies of Hamlet as I could. Just, and, and almost all the time her songs are perfunctory. Yeah. They just sound like, well, A, they're always a cappella. Yeah. In the movies that I watch. I mean, I'm sure there's an exception, but I watched about four. Uh, you know, and they're usually kind of tossed off and she's crazy anyway, so it's just this yeah. moment, right? And um, and I said, well, we have Vanessa who can really deliver the goods here. So I, but so I said, well, what if the accompaniment is her voice recorded because she's the only one who can hear it because she's having a rough day. Of, yeah, uh, yeah. Know. So um, <clears throat> we actually. So, and what what I liked about that is that the songs weren't perfunctory, right. because it's all it it can be the case that the songs just kind of get thrown away. Now that's certainly with Des, that was not the case. Sure. You know, I mean, and Des is a we first got to know each other as young songwriters. So, um, so so you know, he he and I collaborated on them. Uh, but when I did the Tempest that Des directed with with Chris Plummer. Um, you know the the songs. You know have their moment in yeah. the song and in the sun, and they're 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 clearly and he's clearly writing lyrics that are meant to be sung. They're the, you know that that you do. They're they're differently constructed. 
Well, clearly, yeah, Shakespeare didn't intend the songs to be perfunctory, or he wouldn't have written them. Right. He put them in for a reason. Right, yeah. right. No, I, I mean, dra- you know, he's dramaturgically, no. They're, they're, I mean, and a song like Come Away Death, yeah. from, um, you know, or Blow, Blow, That Winter Wind. I, I, a phrase that goes through my head a lot nowadays is, you know, the wind is not so unkind as man's ingratitude. Yeah, well, there you go. Is that Welcome to America. Hi, I'm Brian Dennehy, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We're taking the summer of 2018 off, but you can get plenty of incredibly reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. Also, our next batch of tour dates is now online. We'll be performing William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged, The Ultimate Christmas Show abridged, and the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged revised in 30 cities in 18 states this fall of 2018 and winter-spring of 2019. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. Now back to my conversation with the composer and arranger Michael Roth. In about a minute, you'll hear a slight difference in the background noise because we moved our conversation outside after a fan went off in the kitchen where we had been recording. You've worked on a lot of high-profile productions with a lot of sort of major um, Shakespeareans, including new major Shakespearean yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Does that change the... Does that change anything in your approach to a production? The star quality of it? Like if it's Christopher Plummer as Prospero or... or... Well, it, cer- it certainly changed the way you approach the first rehearsal. <laughs> uh, because when you're going to meet the guy. Right. Because, you know, okay, what's this going right. to be? Um, Tom was from the very first day just there to work. Yeah. Um, he he is as generous as he can be, both in spirit and mm-hmm. in fact, you know. Uh, the first day of rehearsal, I heard everybody in the company sing a bit because, well, so Dan sure. Dan Sullivan had said um, that he we want he wanted to open up the, the play with a song, oh. and the basic frame of it was that we took uh, Justice Shallow's songs from. Uh, part two right and made them into a drinking song because we were doing parts one and two in one evening so everything is edited and truncated quite right. a bit so so he said let's let's make a song out of that mm-hmm. and we'll open the play with Falstaff and the company sort of singing that and the production not not in a in a strict sense felt a little bit like we're starting in the tavern and we're always in the tavern right and it kind of moves out from there but that's that wasn't completely true, but it was almost true. Right, right. And um, anyway, uh, and but so we would start with that, and then when we got to the end of the play, the songs being sung in and around the coronation celebration, and Falstaff is no longer singing; he's just standing there because 
he's he's gotten to a, he's in a very different place than he is at the beginning of the play when right. he's just singing a drinking song. Right. So Tom uh, said, you know, I said, you know, uh, uh, do you sing harmonies? And he said, sure, it's all good, fine. Mm-hmm. And he and the and so like I think the second or third day of rehearsal, I taught the song to the company, and my strongest singers who could really carry a tune pretty well were Tom and Joe and Harry Groner and, and, <laughs> yeah. and Jeff too. But, yeah. but you know, the, I remember one group was, I said, well, you know, it really needs to be Tom and Harry Groner and Joe. Yeah. You know, I said, that's pretty good. Sure, you're you three know, big stars. My three big stars. Yeah. And because and, uh, Joe had been in, the, in Pearly, I think. Oh, right. And the Company of Hair and all that stuff. And Harry was in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, 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 yes, and yeah. he was, and also um, a Ger- so Gershwin something. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, crazy for you yeah and um so you know but but i had enough ringers so uh, you know they actually sounded like something because you've heard that on the Mm -hmm. on the yeah so Mm -hmm. that's so and then it eventually came to the point where tom started it do nothing but eat and make good cheer do nothing but eat and make good cheer and And praise god for the merry year and praise god for the merry year when flesh is cheap and females here and lusty lads roam there and here So you've written for Shakespeare, but you've also composed your own opera. You're doing, does that count as your own work or? Well, here's what I've done. Yeah. Um, Anybody who's ever asked if, so should we write a musical, should we write an opera? You know, writers have said this to me a lot, right? And I've said, um, sure, but um, getting a new musical done is Exactly what you yeah. what you what you the way you just shook your head and closed your eyes exactly <laughs> right you know it's like and and I actually think the sort of unwritten rule is if you do enough workshops you'll never do a production right. and um and and it's really hard and nobody really knows what it is and you're in a highly dramaturgical room and it's crazy but I've said everybody's allowed to have an opinion too right and boy there's opinions are important yeah and it, and it and it, it gets nuts yeah. sometimes great stuff happens but it's hard yeah I, I don't mean to disparage anything about it it's just hard yeah um, but what I have said is um, that we can make a film mm. and in fact, I think the most interesting work that's being done now, yeah. anywhere, is in television. That is to say, stuff that you can watch on a computer. You know, it, uh, right. the online community creating right. work. And so this this one writer, Kate Gale, and I were talking about something, and we this uh, it's based on a true story. I won't tell you what the true story is. Good. Um, but I said, yeah, this is a story that we should tell on film. It's not. It's not good. For, it's not right for stage because, in fact, all the action happens online, and um, we're gonna write this. I'm making it quick, but we did. Uh, we we will write. We'll do five episodes uh, to tell this story, and the camera will always be. Um, as if there's a camera in the computer or in the iPad or in the iPhone. Right. And we, I'll premiere it exclusively online. Yeah. It will be free. Um, the The only thing we'll request from people who look at it is that if you are so moved mm-hmm. to please um, uh, contribute to a charity that supports, uh, that's anti-cyberbullying, et, et cetera. Right. And uh, so 
but the other thing that I that became apparent as we were writing it is because I, I you know I'm an orchestrator and a sound guy and all this <laughs> stuff is you know there's no piano vocal for this opera right I didn't write it like that I wrote it <clears throat> purely knowing that it was going to be what I wanted it to be and in fact to recreate it live would be virtually impossible right. you'd have to do a lot of little cheats to it yeah. it's called the web opera it's on a website called thewebopera.com and um, off mic yes I think it will be launching it in September That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. You can find out more information about the music of Michael Roth at his website, rothmusic, with a K, dot wixsite.com slash rothmusic, with a K, including when it's available information about his web opera. Then send us your examples of early modern postmodernism to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks as always to lead vocalist Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band, and also this week by Michael Roth from his productions of Pamplona, currently at the Goodman Theater in Chicago, Twelfth Night from the 2011 production at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival, and Henry IV from this summer's production at the Shakespeare Center of Los Angeles. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Tina, a.k.a. Cara T. Starbuck on Twitter. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Brian Dennehy, and finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 606 1818ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. So you've worked with just some titans of, of yeah. Shakespeare and theater, Chris yeah. Plummer and yeah. R- Randy Newman, uh, Joe Morton and Tom Hanks. Um, where does Reed Martin fall in that? He falls. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 And so much less.